Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. It's good to be with you. Good to be with you, good to be with you. Um, I pray that um, when we get done today's message, I kind of hijack the song so that we can get to it early because I want to spend some time with you um, if you have time. Um, so just going to kind of extend the opportunity for application because, you know, anytime you preach, um, you know, there's, there's your exegesis, right, where what is this passage saying? Um, you know, we want to interpret that correctly first in this to the original audience and then to us. And then there's always a reason the Word of God is being preached. So we have to apply it somehow. Sometimes there is a direct call to maybe outward action. Last week, what did we kind of preach about? Service, right? And we, this doing, it was really clear, right? The scripture was do good to all people, especially those in the household of faith. What's the application of that word? I think that was pretty clear, right, driving right down your front street. We need to be doing good to all people, especially those. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's the reason why we heard that word. That's the reason why that word was put into Scripture. It was canonized. Then sometimes the application is not maybe a direct call to a, a literal, an external act, but it's an internal act. It's, the call is to think the call is to trust, to have faith, to believe, to love, to do something internal, right? And so today, that application will be more internal. So I want to give you some space after we preach this word to just give you some more opportunity to do some internal work. Just you and Jesus and your brothers and sisters in the household of faith. And so um, that's why I cut a song off and I'm going to come and add it at the end of the message uh, so we can just have some more space to do that. So we just pray in a special 25-minute anointing over our pastor right now so that all the plans can come to fruition. But, you know, we know how it works. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, man, we were, we bumped into, uh, it was so gosh doggone hot last week and yesterday. We were in um, Gina's favorite store, Target, and, uh, and uh, you know, she was like, Tim, do you want to ride? And I'm usually like, uh-uh. But I was just like, man, you know, all I'm going to do all day is soak up my air condition, so I might as well soak up somebody else's air condition for like an hour or so. So we just took a family trip to Target, uh, and we bumped into Kendall and Michelle um, hanging out in there. And I don't know why, but um, some kind of way, um, we started singing a little jingle. But before we start singing the jingle, I want to ask a question. Um, how many of you all have been a fortunate follower of the God of the Bible, and you've been serving him long enough that you have either had an accident on your way to church or on your way from church? You've had some car problems, amen? Haven't you been serving God long enough to have had some car issues on the way to church or either on the way? You know, in the past, Three months, y'all don't know this, but your pastor has blown a tire. I've had to switch out my alternator. I've eaten Domino's in the parking lot waiting. It just sometimes it just happens, right? It just happens. But I've got good news for you today. 
especially those of you all who like to listen to black Christian music on your weekday drives, maybe like Warren Grimm, get a little 95.7, you might hear a commercial every once in a while that says, accidents may happen every day, even early in the morning on Sunday. Hey, but I got good news. After you call his name, just call 411 pain. <laughs> That is 1-800-411-PAIN. Can I get a witness somebody? <laughs> I just, you know, shout out to all my folks who listen, listen to gospel radio. That's the gospel radio in there. That's that gospel radio. Y'all, I'm telling you, I've been in Memphis almost eight years now. That jingle been playing for eight years now and running. We ain't even got it. You know, I don't know no words, but I got that one committed to memory been catchy. Psalms 91 is meant to be a psalm to God's faithful, beloved followers, instructing them on how to navigate dangerous, tumultuous, just downright awful seasons and dangers of life. This is what it was meant for. And so as we approach it, I want to tell you what this psalm is calling you to do just right out in the gate. I don't get no suspicion, no gonna be no entry. It's calling you to trust him. Instead of calling 411 pain, it's asking you to make the most high your refuge and your shelter. And if you do that, there is certain guarantees and there are certain blessings and there are certain insurances that are not promised to any other people group on the face of this planet. Do you hear me? Psalms 91 is inviting you to deepen your trust in the Most High, and it's telling you that there are assurances and there are promises that no other people group on the face of this earth have because they have chosen to make the Most High their dwelling place. Amen. So let's get into it. I'm going to teach three things. I want to tell you what that shelter is. I want to tell you that the shelter is, is meant to save, to protect, and to free you from fear. And I want to tell you that dwelling in the shelter of the Most High gives you the ultimate victory. Amen? So let's do it. So verses 1 and 2, we kind of get straight into it. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, he is my what? My refuge. And he is my what? And he is my what? In whom I do what? I trust. Turn to your neighbor and say, I trust him. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I trust him. And just say out loud, I want to trust him more. Ooh, come on, man. Anybody want to trust him more? Come on, man. I want to. What are these names of God? You get these four. Don't skip past them. Maybe you can underline them. Where Becky? Becky, give you a highlighter in here. Come on now. The most high is Jehovah El El Yon, right? What does that mean? It is the name. He is high above every power. So let's just start it out right there. The shelter is the most high El El Yon. There is no other shelter that could top this one. He's the standard bearer for protection and shelter. He's El Elyon. He's high above every other power. He's El Shaddai. That means the Almighty, the Mighty One, right? 
This is a patriarchal kind of name that has been given in the Bible. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That name is synonymous with the God who calls mere human beings and accomplishes every one of his plans through them. When you hear the mighty one, you need to know that when you make your dwelling place under the shadow of the wings of the mighty one, that whatever he's called you to do, he's going to see you through. He will accomplish that thing through it. There's not one plan of his that's ever failed. He's the Lord. He's Yahweh. That's the name given at the burning bush in Exodus 3, where he reminds Moses, I am with you. I am Yahweh. And then you get this sweet personal pronoun in verse 2, three times. He is my refuge. He's my fortress. He's my God, which just takes this from a big generic objective level to a personal, more intimate level. I love, one of the reasons why I love singing my go-to, we in free spontaneous worship song, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, my favorite line, here I am to say that you're my God. I know he's your God. I know he's been God throughout the generations, but until he's your God, you don't know him yet. Until he's personal to you. Then you don't know him in the fullness yet. And you don't know him to the degree that he wants to be known by you. He wants to be your God. Your personal God, not just the God of your people, not just the God of the Avenue Community Church, but your personal mighty one, your personal provider, your personal refuge and your shelter. The shelter is the God of the Bible. Just write that down. The shelter is the God of the Bible. We are invited in Psalms 91 to place our personal trust in him. It goes on, verses 3 through 6, to start to describe this versatile, comprehensive protection. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you, know, I, um, you know how sometimes, you know, in, in adulting, how many of y'all know adulting is complicated? Jeez. You know, I just thank God for my parents. For all the things they was bankrolling, all the things that was just getting taken care of, I had no idea about. Because a real adulting is for the birds. It's like, God, who's supposed to do that? Sheesh. But, you know, every once in a while, you know, you get these people, you know, I'm usually eavesdropping, you know, because Gina, Gina's our frontline defense. I send Gina because Gina's going to answer all the, ask all the questions. Okay, no, no, tell me, tell me. Do you know, the salespeople and the technicians, when they come to my house, they end up usually leaving like this. <laughs> Sweating. The boss is mad at them because they didn't gave us more stuff than they supposed to. Gina be working them us. I be like, they knock on the door, they be like, do, 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 do. I'm like, bruh, you sure you want to come in here? I should tell you. I'm just telling you, my guy, you might want to think twice. Yo, no, let me tell you about our new fiber optic and da-da-da. Okay, okay, all right. (laughs) But you know, every once in a while you have these experiences, these people doing their things, and you're paying for stuff. And, you know, some of y'all know that feeling when you're like, oh, my gosh, I need this, and I didn't know if I had it. And when the person says, oh, don't worry about it, it's been included. Hey, God. 
Oh, I didn't even know I was paying for that. You know what I'm saying? When the Geico man's like, hey, you know, oh, what y'all really need is some roadside this and this and that and whatever, whatever. It's like, man, how am I good? Oh, don't worry about it, Mr. Johnson. You pay for that. Hey, somebody. Can I get a you pay for that wave offered in the house? It's always welcome news in my house. Like, yes, when you look at these next 10 to 11 verses, I just want you to see the image of comprehensive coverage. What you are looking at is just poetic language and metaphors of comprehensive protection for his people. I'm literally going to run the, I'm going to try to give you as many exhaustive pictures of how complete my protection is for you. Do you believe that you are completely forever covered under the shelter of his wings? Do you believe it today? He says, Derek Kidner, who wrote just a beautiful commentary on this, says most of these are dangers of a kind which strike both unseen, strike unseen against which the strong and the helpless are just as weak, right? So there's no, what you also need to understand is there's no person when we read Psalms 91 who's not vulnerable. Everyone in here. These are the things that you will face in life that you cannot think your way out of. These are the ones in life that necessarily don't obey your way out of, right? These are the things in life that take the strong man, the smart man, the weak man, the rich man, the poor man, the black man, the whoever man. It takes all of us off guard. These are forces just working that we are ill-equipped to be able to face on our own. This is the force of Psalms 91. But even in these things that are unseen, that are striking against God's faithful, you have been provided for. God's beloved has security. What do we see? That the shelter, the, the shelter saves. Verse 3, you will not, surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. The fowler's snare, it's just in the Psalter, it's just synonymous with all kind of schemes that want to entangle God's faithful or seduce them away from trusting God. Pestilence, right? Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from deadly pestilence, pestilence and destructions. They're diseases. They're synonymous usually with the ones that God kind of sends on his enemies or unfaithful people. You kind of see that all throughout the Old Testament. And these people won't fear terror and arrow. Together with a thousand may fall. This envisions God's people being under attack. But God is able to save his people from all kinds of attacks. Then it moves forward and just God is able to protect his people. And we get this beautiful image in verse 4. That he will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. Get the beautiful image both of impenetrable armor shield and a rampart and you get the image of this beautiful protecting bird stretching its feathers out and covering its young from danger like the first person to be to 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 in in the first line of defense from the sun or the elements or uh, opposition is the mother bird hovering over her children do you realize that you are being protected right now just like that, at this very moment. We get salvation, we get protection, and we also get freedom from fear. 
I love this. This is kind of weird. Verse 5. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. It says it will draw near you. Derek Kinder goes on to say that, hey, these things are drawing near you. They're happening around you. But Psalms 91 is also countering it, not with just uh, chance things, but an exact minute-by-minute protection of God's faithful ones. Do you see uh, Psalms 46, right? Though the mountains be thrown into the sea, right? These things are falling down. It just kind of gives you the same imagery that these things, these chaotic, these cataclysmic things are always happening around. But somehow in the middle of the trial... God's protecting his people. Can, maybe that's a word right there. Maybe that's preaching to itself. That one of the things I'm getting ahead of myself, is God does not promise us that he's always going to take us out of the trials. Hey, but he's trying to remind you the same way he has been for all of redemptive history. I don't always change the circumstance, but I am faithful in the middle of it. I don't always take you out the frying pan or the fire and furnace. I just jump in there with you in the middle of it. And I can be, my protection is not dependent upon the circumstance. I can protect you wherever I have you. I don't know who, that, who needs to hear that today. I don't know where you are today, but I'm here to tell you Psalms 91 is screaming at us. I can protect you wherever I have you. Some folks like, oh, you know what? God's got to get me to safety first, and then he can give me the full complement of his protection. God said, uh-uh, wherever you are this morning, I have you under the shelter of my wings. Nothing can touch God's faithful children without his consent. This is Job, right? This is that playing out, all these calamities, all the evils. But I have you, Job, and there is a limit to what you can experience. It also goes on to say that God's enemies will not evade his retribution, right? <laughs> right? It won't come near you, but you will, verse 8, you will observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Those people who do not take refuge in the Almighty. Verse 9, if you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. This is just restating what we just said, that the promise of protection and safety for those who make the Lord their refuge happens irregardless of the circumstance. In verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone and he will guard you in all your ways. I love this. Somebody say, the angels then join the party. Hey, we're talking about God's protection and how he saves us and rescues us and delivers us and covers us. And now we get to see some of the means by which he does that. When you see the word angel in the Bible, we know that if we don't, what, what is that? Come on, y'all. Genome, phylum, class, order, family, genus, speech. What is that? What is that? Come on. It's in there somewhere. I have no idea where. It's science somewhere. What is that, y'all? Come on, you educators. It's something. <laughs> Gene, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species, right? Come on. That's something. What is that thing? 
Y'all don't, y'all didn't go to school. I was summa cum laude. I know this much, Warren Graham. I know for us as homo sapiens, I know what that is. I know what it means to be human. And if we just doing some simple exegesis and interpretation, when you see the term angel in the Bible, that ain't human. And every time you see the word angel in the Bible, you need to be thinking about miraculous assistance. Man, we used to sing a song when I was a little boy. Angels watching over me. If you pray with me long enough, you might hear a common refrain when I run out of things to say, Lord, dispatch your angels just to guard them. And I want to tell you that we have been talking a lot about fowler snares, and we've been talking a lot about shields and ramparts using metaphorical language. This verse is not a metaphorical verse. This is not alliteration. This is not figurative. We have miraculous protection. Hebrews 14, 1.14 refers to angels as ministering angels. Literally there, ministering for, uh, on behalf of those who are the heirs of salvation. They are here. They are there. And they are helping. And we petition them, help us. Somebody say, help us. Jesus, as he was being tempted, the devil, Matthew 4:11, the devil left him. And guess who came to minister to our Savior? And the angels were ministering to him. Do you know that you literally have little pocket pastors praying for you, encouraging you, tending to you at all times? That's how much God is invested in your protection. That's how much he's invested in your refuge and your shelter. I've dispatched my spiritual beings to attend it to mine that I will eventually bring to myself one day. I'm not just going to sit here and wait it out and let it play out. No, I'm dispatching my little heavenly beings to wipe every tear, to calm every fear, to silence every doubt. So dwelt the Lord himself, El Shaddai. Hello, Yon. He's our refuge, our personal shelter. And when we dwell underneath his shelter, he saves us, he protects us from fear, and frees us, he protects us and frees us from fear. And when we choose to dwell underneath the shelter of the Most High, he gives us ultimate victory. Everybody say, ultimate victory. Verse 13 just says, you will tread on the lion and the cobra, and you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Anytime you see those animals used in scriptural terminology, there's been, they have been symbols for evil men or for powers and forces of darkness since really the beginning of written scripture. See Deuteronomy 32, this is a song of Moses and just the way he used serpents and things like that in that passage. 
Psalms 91 is taking you on a journey. It's taking you on this journey from inviting you to trust Yahweh. Telling you the, the benefits for trusting in Yahweh. Security, refuge, protection, freedom from fear. <laughs> my, my, it's training camp time. And uh, one of my favorite videos of all time is DeAndre Hopkins. He's a Houston Texan, and he is playing against Cope's favorite team, the Washington Redskins. Uh, it's just close to where he lives. <laughs> but uh, he's playing against the Redskins, and he's lining up. He's getting ready to do his thing. And um, so, you know, it's hot. What y'all need to know about training camp and all these things, if you never played football, it's just hot. You ain't seen your family. You tired of Gatorade, water. You're just tired. Your body hurting. That just is a recipe for just a lot of nastiness. You know what I mean? So think about you coming home from work and yelling at the kids. And just think about that times a thousand. Every day, just heat. So it's just always going to be some, we just going to rough each other up. Because I love you, but I'm about to kill you right now. Okay. Um, so anyway, he's getting into it. They're doing the thing with a dude. And uh, there's this veteran quarterback, D'Angelo Hall. He comes up on, you know, DeAndre Hopson. Boom, he shoves him. And, and DeAndre Hopson come back. He said, bro, you ain't going to do me like that. You got to do the shoulder stuff. Everybody's going to do you. Bro, you're not going to do me like that. And then DeAndre Hopson was like, I fear God, bro. I fear God, bro. I don't fear no man. Now, where I'm from, that's supposed to be like the, you know, we just, we just drew the line in the sand. That's supposed to mean something. That means, my guy, I ain't scared of that smoke. You know, I know you Memphis folks, y'all like running up the chimney. That's essentially the same idea. The same idea. We're not ducking anything. We're not scared. That's the idea. We're not scared. How do you live when you're free from fear? You live like you don't have to take crap from people. You say real big boastful things like, I'll run up the chimney. I'm not running from the fire. I'm going to it because I don't, I'm not scared of nothing. See, you, you think that having God's protection the end result is me just living a docile life away from the elements, just calm, peaceful, and whatever. No, no, no. That's not the end of people who make the Lord their refuge. When you make the Lord your refuge and you find out that you don't have to be scared of nothing, you're like, where is that? I'm here. It's always been God's desire for you to live as victors and not losers. It's always been his desire for you to navigate this world where he's been attached to you with your head held high and not looking down. That's the end result of knowing that you are being protected. It's your confidence in this life, not just in the one to come. You think I'm making it up? Listen at me. 
1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God. This is Paul in the midst of being shipwrecked, bitten by snakes, whatever. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not one day coming right now, he's giving me the victory. John 16, 33, you will have trouble in this world. But take heart, I've already overcome the world. You are winning right now. You are winning right now. That has always been God's desire for his people to know you are victorious right now. Not just at the end of time. Not just when you get the job. Not just when you get married. Not just when you start feeling better. You are victorious right now because you are protected. But even in that, the Lord... The Lord says, you're winners, but I want to temper that. Take a look at this, Luke 10 and 19. Say, even though you're always victorious, there's bigger things at stake, and maybe these bigger things are the reason why you're victorious. Luke 10, 18 through 20, he says, he replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. A snake, the imagery. 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powerful, all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Let's just pause for a second. So one of the things we got to see as good Bible interpreters, expositors, is all the time Scripture cites itself or makes allusions. What do we see here? This is Psalms 91. He's just using it in a different context. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. Jesus says the glory in the true victory is not in your power, but it's in your identity. It's not that you could do these things. It's not that you're so victorious and powerful. It's that what, what we should truly be excited about is that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Maybe as I have preached through this, if you've been tracking with me, some of y'all should be like, man, uh-uh, PT. This don't feel right. You telling me nothing's harming me, I feel like I'm getting bulldozed right now. I'm sitting in worship with a migraine. I know I got a bill that I got to pay, and I don't know how I'm going to pay it. I got some, some, some ways that I need moved. I got trouble in my water, PT. This don't sound like my life. I don't feel very protected. I don't feel very shielded. I see things happening all around me, and they not... They not, not harming me. They is very much harming me. So how do we interpret Psalms 91 and how do we apply it? As I just said before, the best ways to interpret Scripture is to see how Scripture uses that Scripture. And especially in your Bible, if you see cross-references where there, your scripture that you're reading has been used other times throughout scripture, ding, 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 we need to lock into it. 
because it's helping us unpack what this stuff is talking about. I got some good news and some sobering news for a lot of y'all that in no way the Psalms 91 was it ever meant for you to think that we were going to live conflict-free lives. It's not what that means. As a matter of fact, the devil, you know what he quotes to Jesus in the wilderness? Psalms 91. He was the first prosperity gospel teacher. He like, bruh, I know you put your, you've chosen to make the most high your dwelling place. And don't it say in there in verse, around verse 12 or 13 that he will cause his miraculous assistance to, if you jumped off this building, they'd catch you before you fall. Isn't that what your God promised you? Right? But Jesus himself knew that that Psalms 91 is not about conflict-free living. He also knew that Psalms 91 was not about never suffering in life. But the first thing he did was Jesus knew that the victory that we have because we are God's children is not meant to be displayed arrogantly or as a power play. This may apply to some of y'all, but maybe not most. It is true that the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in you. But that power is meant for a specific purpose, not for you to prove how tough, how big, how cool, how bold you are. So we're not, Jesus himself said, uh-uh, man, this is the power that I have, the protection that I have is not meant to put God to the test as to display his power as if he needs to be validated. Just in case that's where some of you are, it's like, man, I'm going to purposely walk myself into some unnecessary, dangerous situations. I'm going to stand in front of this train just to prove that God is able of keeping me from getting smeared on Poplar Avenue. Just tell me, do you want me to invite your mama to the funeral, your daddy? Just let me know before you do that, and I'll make sure all your people are there. Okay? Just in case that's where some of y'all at. God's, listen clearly, God's power, protection, provisions, and resources are not meant to be put to the test. Don't invite yourself into unnecessary places just to, I'm going to show you that God can do this. You all right down there, man? All right. Catch you next time. God's power, Derek Kinder goes on to say, that is characteristic of God to use angelic help and power when it was most needed and it was accepted as strength for service and sacrifice and when it was always refused for self-advantage. 
We don't use God's power, his grace, and his, any of his arsenal for our self-gain. But all the time, the grace sufficient in our weakness is used when we are trying to serve him faithfully and we are experiencing all the darkness and the coldness of the world and we're trying to stay faithful. We're trying to believe. You need to know then God is very much trying to get his resources to you. Then, as you sacrifice for him, as you prove your trust in him, Verse 14, it says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him. These sweet last two verses. It's just the Lord's reaffirmation. This is his reaffirmation of his pledge to those people who put their trust in him. I want you to see as best you can someone on your level, someone looking you in your eyes and knowing that placing your trust in him is the hardest thing you'll ever be asked to do. Come on, team. Come on, stand up. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I want you to look and just see. Come on up on the stage. I just want you to see this is not God up here looking down. The force of this passage is God looking you in your face and knowing that you trusting him in the middle of your world, in the middle of your chaos, is the hardest thing that you will ever be asked to do. And I'm telling you, if you put your faith in me, I won't put you to shame, Tommy. I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you my word. I'm giving you, I want you to think of wedding vows. Just imagine your husband, your wife staring you, at you in your eyes and, and reminding you, I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you. I will honor you. And I will, you will call me. I will answer you. And with long life, I will satisfy you. You can sit down. This is your loving Savior giving you his word that I know you are in the blender of life, and I'm telling you, I'm going to be with you. And every time you call to me in prayer, I've already answered. I've already heard it. I saw every tear that you have cried. I know every groan that you have. I'm sitting there with you. I promise you that. And that this pain that you're experiencing is not without a purpose. I give, you, I, swear, I give you the most beautiful gift that I ever could. I will satisfy you with long life. Which is more than just our mortal living. It's in the idea of eternal life. A life that cannot end. Our ultimate life. The ultimate life. This was always meant to be Psalms 91, not a get-out-of-jail-free card for our natural lives, but to point us to the most important thing that we own, our soul, that we want to guard, want to take care of forever. So what do I need to take away from this, PT? Number one, trust, faith, believe, 
They're the only ways that you can live in relationship with God. That's why this psalm begins with trusting. My God in whom I trust. It ends with trusting because he loves me. You don't get the protection if you're not willing to trust. And I think you get, this is a great dichotomy in Christianity. I get why prosperity folks are like, man, we got the victory and nothing's going to harm us. Because it's actually in the book. It's just taken out of context. So you get people who like, it's always supposed to be victory. And then you get people who, because they know they're not feeling victory, they're all like, oh, it's all about providence. Both of those are two ditches we got to stay away from. Somewhere in here is the fact that because we have chosen to make the Lord our dwelling place, we don't have to fear. And though our outward body is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day. I am winning. We are more than conquerors, those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what, man? I put this on the um, Facebook. I sound real old, didn't I? <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. I put it on Facebook. I was really enjoying the commentary as I was kind of reading this. And guess who texted me, y'all? Y'all remember Roy? Roy was one of our medical students. So crazy, man. Listen to what he told me. He said, PT, I was so encouraged when you posted that. Because I gave Psalms 91 to one of my patients before he died. I gave Psalms 91 to one of my patients before he died. He said, before he died, that it gave him great comfort. Don't that seem oxymoronic? Hold on. I'm, the Most High says he's going to satisfy me with long life, and here I am coming to the end of it? And I'm encouraged by the scripture that told me I was supposed to, wait a minute. It's because that guy can see something maybe we can at times. He said, we are winning. And the reality is, some of these things I don't believe we'll be able to get full context to until we get to glory. And we replay the tape. And I believe we will at least spend probably four decades just weeping and rejoicing at all the things he kept us from and the ways he protected us. <laughs> that we had no idea about. We just going to spend at least a century just looking, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo, I praise you. God, I was almost about to, and God, I almost, oh, God, you kept me. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to spend at least a century just worshiping him for the things that he kept us from that we had no idea about. 
Because the ultimate goal is not to live the most amazing life on this side. It's to make it to the amazing life he's already provided for us. And it's going to be true, y'all. It'll be true then Psalms 91 will be true and we can finally say it with our chest big sticking out that those who choose to make the Lord their dwelling place will dwell. Psalms 91 ultimately points us to Jesus who crushes the head of the serpent, who really tramples on verse 12 and 13, right? Who puts his foot all up on the serpent's head? It's our king. It's our King Jesus. He's the faithful Israelite who always trusts in the Lord, who always loves and lives to glorify his Father. And because of his sacrifice for us and because of his defeat of the enemy, we have his spirit in us and we can exhibit a measure of trust and we don't have to be ultimately discarded because of our failure to trust. Amen, somebody. Well, thank you. Thank you, God. I ain't burning up because of my inability to perfectly trust you. I just wanted some space. Because I know some of you all are exactly where I just said how can any of this be true? I don't feel any of this. Some of y'all are in spaces where it is just, man, how am I supposed to trust God? I just want to tell you, you are not alone. You are not alone. There are people in this room right now who are in the dark of night along with you, and it is just the most incredibly challenging season to be able to believe that they are protected, that they are being saved. And as a matter of fact, victory doesn't mark their life, fear does. Here's what I'm asking this church to do. That we would at least receive the truth of this scripture that when we make the Lord our dwelling place, the benefits that we receive are encouraging us to live lives above fear. That we don't have to fear the arrows that fly by day and the pestilence that comes at the dark. They come near us, but they won't ultimately harm us. Why? Because we'll never get shot walking into a grocery store? Can, can we be real? Let, let, let me be real with you. I got to be real with you. We're living in a time. It's just wild. And if you ain't experienced the wildness, then you don't, you must have your eyes closed. I'm talking about from Eliza Fletcher to literally walking out of the grocery store and your car getting broken into and you catching the bullet. So either Psalms 91 gonna be true for you or you just embrace fear. 
Because the reality is we can't control the circumstances of our life, but we can control where we put our hope. What are you going to choose today? Because the one that gave his life for you says, come to me. And I want to show you a world where I won't eliminate every trial, but I can cause you to live above your fear if you would make me your dwelling place.